0: 21. I don't know why I'm clicking there, but we are. Uh, so we've been looking at just this idea that uh, we need to know who Jesus is. And, and the book of Mark does such a great idea of putting it in plain language, talking about occurrences and events, the way, uh, the way that it was conveyed to him through Peter. Uh, this is John Mark who's writing this. And, and we looked at kind of the first week of just this idea of multiple sources were testifying that Jesus was something other than just a prophet, just a teacher, just a rabbi. He was something more. From supernatural to natural sources, all across the board, there were several voices that were testifying that that this Jesus was what we've been waiting for. And we kind of issued the challenge. Like, if we've been followers of Jesus for a while, uh, this should speak to us to just affirm whom we're following and actually make us, like, dive deeper to seek Him more, to figure out who He is and what He wants of us, what he, what he requires of us, and how we follow Him and get to know Him more. And then last week, we just looked at this simple calling of the disciples, of come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men, and what that looks like in the context of what a disciple is, what we're trying to grow, what we're trying to reproduce, what the kingdom of God looks like when people understand that we've been called from where we are to follow after Jesus Imitating him, getting to know him, love as he loves, uh, serve as he serves, sacrifice as he sacrifices, be willing to be changed by him, transformed by him, and to be placed on mission with him. And this is what a disciple is. Today we're going to look at uh, just seven verses quickly in which he goes into a temple in Capernaum and begins to teach. And there are just some things that stick out, some things that are noticed by the crowd there, and I think we, we need to notice them as well and see what they say to us. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to start in verse 21 um, and just kind of work through this. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for um, a family that you have placed us in that is seeking to know you, to make you known, uh, to follow after you, and to uh, be used by you so that more people can as well. Um, God, we thank you for a city that is white with harvest. Um, We thank you for uh, the 90% or more of the people that live in this zip code um, are not in a a house of worship this morning. And I know that's a strange thing to thank you for, but God, uh, you have placed us here for this reason in this season uh, for them and for your glory. And so, Father, I pray as we we look to your son, to who he was and what he said and what he did, Father, I pray that it would remind us of what you've called us to as well. Uh, God, we love you, we thank you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So let's read 21 through 28. And it says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there in the synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And so just, uh, again, Mark writes an occurrence base, so he's not giving a ton of details, but uh, just a, a short place in which Jesus goes into the synagogue. The synagogue would have been kind of similar to our concept of church, except it would have been by nature uh, for people who are of Jewish heritage. Um, Capernaum was kind of this small fishing village, for the most part, on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. About 1,500 people doesn't sound like that many people, but it was an established trade hub. So a lot of people coming through, going through, and attending, you know, attending temple, attending synagogue was a normal part of their week. Like they did it every week. They may have just been culturally Jewish, but they were also religiously Jewish, and it was important to them. They were there. And every week, the people that would come in, they would hear from a scribe or a teacher, rabbi, who would teach them from the Torah, who would teach them from the Old Testament, and who would teach them what they have been taught, and they were meant to transmit it to someone else. And so they were there to learn. They were there to worship. It was a normal part of their life. And, and it was accepted, and it was, it was just normalized, like you went to synagogue. You went uh, to the temple on Sunday. And so... Uh, it's likely that Jesus, as a result of the fame that had been spreading through even early on, was invited to teach as a rabbi, even though he had not been to rabbinical school, even though he didn't have the proper robe and the flak trees, he didn't have any of that, uh, he was probably invited. Uh, because if he would have gone in to teach without an invitation, he probably would not have been listened to. They would have been like, no, 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 you, you need to go. We don't know who you are, uh, but go away. So most likely he was invited. And so he goes in to teach, and that's it. And then uh, as he begins to teach... Um, uh, they just kind of notice. Man, he's doing it differently. And it wasn't so much the words that he was using, but it was the way that he was using them, the things, uh, the way that he was saying the things that they were saying, the things that he was saying. Because, you know, understandably, these people, they heard teaching every single week. They heard teaching from scribes, people that worked under the Pharisees, under uh, the rabbis, people that had learned their entire life, for the most part, what the Scriptures had said, what the Old Testament had said, and they would convey it to people. But when Jesus comes in, uh, invitation maybe, and just begins to teach. So they're like, man, something, something's different. Something's different. Very much like that first chapter when there were multiple voices, multiple sources, like attesting to this Jesus being different, this Jesus being other than, this Jesus being the one that was promised from long ago and now he's here. Like even their reaction is testifying to a similar idea. And so uh, we would see Jesus teach in various locations at various times, like the Sermon on the Mount. If we go to Matthew and we read Matthew's chap- Matthew chapter 5 through 7, we'll see that Jesus is literally on the side of a mountain. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. That's why it's called that. And he's just teaching. And the way that he's teaching is he's teaching ideas that they've been hearing their entire life, but he's just, he's teaching them just a little bit differently, with just a little different emphasis, you know, and just maybe even correcting some of the legalistic tendencies that they've had and some of the ways that they've extrapolated uh, the religious ideologies that they are now living under, and he's doing it just slightly different. But the neat thing is, even at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it concludes with a very similar way that this does, um, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But we saw Jesus teaching in a lot of different places, a lot of different ways. The thing that struck them was that it said that he taught with authority, like authority. Now, that word would be exousia in in Greek, and it wouldn't mean a whole lot for us to say, man, you teach with exousia. You're like, I don't know what that means. I didn't go to school for that. But what it basically meant for them is they had been hearing people repeat what they had been taught their entire lives. They were hearing people recite the things that they had heard in the way in which they had heard from the opinion and the place in which they heard. But when they heard Jesus speak, they said this, he's teaching like someone who owns it. He's teaching like someone who really owns it. Like I think for us, like the best example would be hearing, um, uh, hearing Henry Ford talk about a car compared to a mechanic. You know, you could go and talk to a mechanic about the inner workings of an internal combustion engine, but then you listen to Henry Ford, and I guarantee Henry Ford's going to talk about it a little bit differently because he made it. And this is what they're hearing when they're hearing Jesus talk. They're like, man, I'm hearing someone teach this, this word, these ideas, like he penned them himself. Why? Because he did. Like if we go to John 1 and we read John 1.1, 1, 1, it talks about in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Nothing was made that was not made through Him. And you skip down to verse 14, it says, And the Word, the Logos, became flesh and walked among us. It's referencing the person, the incarnate form of God in the man of Jesus, saying He's always been, there was nothing that was made that wasn't made by Him, and then He put on skin like us and walked among us. And so when Jesus goes into the temple and he begins to teach, they're like, man, he's teaching like someone who doesn't just understand these things, but he is these things. He wrote these things. He owned these things. He's teaching with authority because it's his. And they were amazed. They were amazed at the way in which he owned it. Not just knew it, but he owned it. I think for us, when we we think about the person, the work, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, like very often we think about the things that he did, and that's great because he came to do some very specific things that we'll talk about over the next several months, but he also came, in which he says this in the very next section, he's like, I came to teach, I came so that people would know. And the way in which Jesus conveyed it was so different than anyone had ever heard it. Like, I think for us, like, we need to begin to to process that the words that Jesus says are, are not just words to be memorized, are not just words to be recited, but they're words to be heard from someone who owns them, who wrote them, like, literally and figuratively and spiritually and metaphysically, all of the ways in which you could write something, he did. They're his. And we need to begin to hear and process them as such. In the middle of his teaching, it says in verse 23, again, Mark's favorite transliterated word is, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us, us being the demons? Maybe the the group that was inhabiting this one man, or maybe all of them. He said, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So even in the midst of the authority that the people, like, to be honest, like, it's pretty neat, that Mark is writing about this so nonchalantly, to be honest, like, it doesn't say, and look, you know, be aware, there was a demon in the midst. It was like normal stuff. Like, people were coming to the temple and the synagogue, and when someone pops up with a demon, people don't freak out, okay? And I know that's crazy, because if it happened here, we would probably freak out. But again, just kind of reorient our brain, the thing that we're thinking about here is not just physical, but, I mean, it is incredibly spiritual, and this was a spiritual occurrence. But this demon in this man speaks up. He's like, I know who you are. Why are you here? And the people don't flip out. That just blows me away. I'm not going to teach on that for a long time today, but it just kind of, you know, it's just kind of interesting. And so he's like, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Another one, someone else affirming that this Jesus was not just a prophet, not just a wise teacher, not just the son of a carpenter who could swing a hammer, not just that, but he was more than. Even the demons who had never talked to him, they're like, I know who you are. And it's freaking them out. And so Jesus just you know, kind of calmly, there's an exclamation point, so I think he said it with some fervor, but he just said, be quiet, come out of him, be silent, and go, and he did. Now, there were some convulsions and some things like that, you know, that I think if a demon's leaving my body, there's, there's probably going to be some, some drama there, but either way, like, it was just like, hey, you be quiet and you get out, and he did, but here's the, here's the interesting part. It says, And the unclean spirit, convulsing in him, crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, all of the people that were watching. So they questioned among themselves, what is this, a new teaching with authority? I think the thing to note is that the people were not shocked by a demon in their presence, an unclean spirit in their presence. They were shocked by the way that Jesus owned his words. The way that Jesus conveyed that he owned them. They were his, that he was teaching a new way and not just a new idea, but in a, in a new heart kind of a thing, something they had never seen. And these people, they learned every week. Again, they were there all the time. They had probably been listening since they were kids. They probably heard it over their Rice Krispies in the morning. They probably heard it on the way to rabbinical school. They heard it all the time. But when Jesus said it, probably the same words, because Mark doesn't even say that he's teaching something different. It just says that he went in to teach. They weren't nearly as shocked by the fact that there was a man with an unclean spirit in their presence as they were in which the way that Jesus taught. We approach the words of Jesus so nonchalantly so mundanely that I don't think we're really hearing them. And I say we because I'm included in that. I've read, I've read the Bible so many times. I've read the word of Jesus so many times. And sometimes I read it and it just kind of sails right through me. I'm like, yeah, Jesus said that. But these people, there was a demon in their presence convulsing a man, throwing him down on the floor, making him shake, screaming as he leaves. And what they're amazed with is not the demon, but it's the way that Jesus used his words. Something totally different about this guy Jesus. And I know for a lot of you who've been following Jesus for a while, you're like, yeah, 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 I get it. There's something different. No, no, no. There's something hugely different, life transforming, world altering, future shaking, eternity granting, life giving about this man Jesus. It's not normal. And there's no way that we can sit and listen to the words, the life that he gives through his heart out of his mouth to us that God uses to regenerate a dead person in me without hearing something going, Man, that's nuts. That's crazy. Because I'll be honest, I, I think if there was a man with a demon here, I think I would be freaked out. But the way Jesus shared his heart was even more compelling was even more shaking, was even more shattering. It says, and they were amazed. It says it twice. They were amazed that he spoke with not just conviction, not just belief behind his word, not just power pushing them, but with authority as someone who owned them. They were like, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. The other thing, he spoke with such authority, such ownership. Man, that when he left that room, when he left that place, everybody had to talk about it. His fame spread because of what he said, but not so much what he said, but the way in which he said it. I think for us, what is that what does that do? I think much, much like week one, hopefully hopefully, if you are someone who is, is searching, you're a healthy skeptic like we talked about. I praise the Lord that you can be a healthy skeptic. Someone that says, yeah, I don't know that if I believe this, but, but I want to know, should I? And so you're, you're doing the work, you're asking the questions, you're here, maybe you're in a community group, maybe you have a relationship with someone that, that follows Jesus and you're just asking questions, healthy skeptic. I think for you, if you're hearing this, I think, again, it makes you go, hmm, maybe there is something to this. Maybe maybe, maybe there is. Maybe, you know, these people, they heard something that was different. They heard a way in which he delivered it, and it was so crazy to them that it freaked them out more than a demon in their presence. Maybe there is something to this. Maybe Maybe it's even just your way of hearing just this. Maybe you should listen. Maybe you've never heard it for the first time, but these words of Jesus, man, they're not normal. They're not safe. Like, to be honest, they're not safe. They're entirely good. Maybe you should listen. Maybe if you're trying to decide, hey, is this Jesus really who all these people claim that he is? Like, is he really the giver of life? I want to tell you just straight up, yes, he is. Up front, I want to tell you that, but, but I want you to hear it. And so maybe for you, you, you just need to sit down and you say, hey, I'm looking forward to the rest of this. I'm kind of curious. Maybe you just go ahead and do this. Go ahead and cheat a little bit. Read ahead. Finish Mark today and then maybe read it again the rest of this week. It's okay. Go ahead, read ahead. You're not going to spoil anything. I'm grateful for that. And if you have questions, when community groups start, you go to that leader and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to ask you tonight, but would you like to meet up this week? Because I've just got questions coming out my ears. I don't know what's going on. Is this Jesus real? I don't know, but I'd love to ask somebody who follows him, ask your community group leader. Man, if you don't have one yet, call me. My phone number's on the website. That phone number on there, that's mine. Shoot me a text, call me. Uh, Maybe you want to call one of our wives, you do that, but just ask. We'd love to sit down with you. Maybe, maybe you're a believer and you've been following Jesus for a while, but you would admittedly sit there and say, uh, I'm, I'm struggling with, with purpose. I'm struggling with identity. I'm struggling with peace. I know Jesus and I, I trust his words, but I'm still struggling with these things. You're okay. Okay? Like I'm telling you, you're, you're where you need to be. Not in a place, but in this family. You're, you're where you need to be. And if, if we can listen to these people and their, like, just mind-boggling response to the way in which Jesus spoke, like, maybe you need to hear that the word that Jesus offers to you uh, can answer those questions about your identity, about your purpose, about your peace. And his words are not normal. They're not safe, but they're good. Maybe for you, you've, you've been following Jesus for a while, but you still just, man, you're, you're battling, you're struggling. That's okay. That's Okay. It's not okay to stay there, but it's okay to admit that you're there and and let's figure out how to to move you forward, to hear what God has to say about your identity, to hear what God has to say about your purpose, to hear what God has to say about your peace. You know, to, to hear him say that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. We all need to hear that. We all need to hear it from the authority perspective that Jesus wasn't reciting it, but he was saying it, owning it speaking truth into existence maybe maybe you need to hear kind of like we talked about last week that uh, come to me all of you are heavy laden and I will give you rest my burden is easy my yoke is light maybe you're flat out worn out by your dues and do not list and you've equated following Jesus uh, with righteousness that you can pursue by your actions and you just need to hear that is not the way Maybe you need to hear him say that the burden I offer and the yoke that I offer, they're both there, but they're light and easy in comparison to trying to earn your salvation. Maybe you need to hear that there is rest and peace in Jesus, not labor and futility. Maybe you need to hear that your identity is not tied up in what you do and what you think about yourself, but it's tied up in what Jesus has done and what he thinks of you, and hearing it from his authoritative mouth instead of mine. Man, the beauty of Jesus' words, again, they're not normal, they're not safe, but man, they're good. And we need to hear them from someone who speaks them because he has a desire to unite us with him, in him, through him, and to him. No scribe could ever do that. No Pharisee could ever do that. No rabbi could ever do that. No well-intended pastor, teacher could ever do that. But Jesus can. And he has. But we need to hear. We need to hear. And hopefully over this next, these next several months, because it's going to take us a little while, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm not trying to sell you Anything. I don't have timeshares. I don't have any of that. But what I do, what I do have, as do a lot of people in here, we have a life changing relationship with Jesus. And not just life changing, but life giving. Without it, man, life according to Scripture, because this is eternal life according to John seventeen three, that they may know you, the one true God, and your Son whom you've sent. Man, through the words, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, we can actually know God, be united with God, get to live an eternity with God that starts at covenant relationship and extends through His beautiful, recreated eternity. Like, that's, that's true. And it's, man, it's to be heard, it's to be shared, it's to be experienced. Um, maybe over the next several months, you just get to sit and hear that, maybe for the very first time, maybe for the 100th time. But here's my prayer in this, that not only do you hear it, but the Spirit of God does something with it in you, does something with it even in me, but does something with it in you that maybe you've never accepted what Jesus is offering before, but you can. You can. Or maybe you accepted it so long ago that you've just become numb to it. You've... You've kind of treated it like these guys did who went every Saturday at the time and sat and listened every Saturday and just kind of walked out unchanged. Maybe for the first time in a long time, you need to understand that Jesus spoke the words that he spoke because they were his and he meant for you to hear them, accept them, understand them, and be changed by them. Maybe you need to hear that God actually wants to change you, do something with you, not just leave you as you are. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that Jesus' words were different, that he spoke them not not even with different syllables or different order, but just as a God who owned them, as a God who spoke them into existence, as a God who made truth because he spoke it. As crazy as that is, God, I, I thank you for Jesus. God, I thank you that he was utterly, entirely, transformationally different because he was you with skin on. God, I thank you for what you're going to do in the life of uh, of this church over the next several months and years and decades to come, God, within the homes of our people, um, within the city of our people, within the lives of those that are around us that do not know you. God, I truly believe, because I agree with you, that you desire that none should perish, that all should come to know you. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, God, that through our stories, through your, your gospel that is alive in us, you would bring people from death to life you would make people make people be found and allow us just to witness it allow us to see it allow us to give you glory because of it we trust in you for the salvation of those who are around us Allow us to agree with you in such a way that we go after them. We love them with truth and indeed. And God, you work in that. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you for your word. And it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.